0: There will be spoilers ahead, lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? It's that time, the witching hour. The first half dot we use for good movies, the ones we like, the ones that are worthy. That time's almost up. Soon, soon we gots to be working with the bad movies. Dem what's a-turning and tossing in our minds like chili made from quail, rat, and juniper berries. We don't want this to be the second half hour, do we? We got works to do. Hard, hard work. Because that's the way we do things on Max Mike Movies. Sorry
1: about that. that anybody. That was friend? a great Polish accent.
0: <laughs> Probably what it was. <laughs> the second movie down in our short series, Focus on... John Cusack! John we're t- Cusack! We're taking a look at the Clint Eastwood-directed adaptation of a novel based near a real story, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Good, in this case, is my co-host, that Spinner of Miracles, Max Minerva Levine. Give us a spell, Max.
1: Jalo of Man. (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) Pocus Cadabra? You poor
1: news! (laughs) (laughs) And
0: I, I am merely the squirrel of judgment, Mike Flavius Luce. Together, we grab films by the horns and wrestle them into a judgment. Kind of. <laughs> what was the name of the squirrel? Oh, okay. This week is no exception. What is an exception is that we asked you a poll question and you had this to say, okay, that's not that an really exception. That really isn't an
1: exception <laughs> at all. That's hey, in fact Hey, you what write we do. these
0: scripts and see how far you go, okay? I do! Oh <laughs> well, yeah, so he does. <laughs> poll question. Last week, we really wanted to know what romantic movie couple you wish you could check in on 20 to 30 years later you gave us some great choices. First up, Val Coons, who still claims to be related no matter how many times I try to tell her for her own good to just stop said, quote, <laughs> easy one, Fran and Scott Hastings from Strictly Ballroom for those who are oh, unaware.
1: Yeah. Love your
0: examples, she referred to my posting Howard Bannister and Judy Maxwell or Sorsha and Mad Mardigan. Thanks Val. Yeah. We got a lot of background info regarding Sorsha and Mad Mardigan from Kelly Cooper. Quote, well, according to the books, Sorsha and Mad Mardigan were utterly destroyed, so they'd be dusty bits of blasted <laughs> rock after 30 years. <laughs> but Books? <if> we... Plural? <laughs> oh, okay. But if we stick with the movies and discount the follow-up books and God, uh, I, G-A-W-D, I hope the new series ignores the books written by none other than Chris Claremont based on an outline from George oh, wow. Lucas because they are terrible. Yes, yeah. I'd love to see how they turned out. Part of me says Wesley and Buttercup, but that betrays the ambiguity of the ending. Maybe Will Turner and Elizabeth Swan from Pirates of the Caribbean? I'd love to know if Lane Mayer and Kim Darby stayed together from Better Off Dead. I would have enjoyed a follow-up movie about them being awkward college kids in Paris, I think. Weirdly, I'm more invested in Lane and Kim than Lloyd Dobler and Diane Court from Say Anything. Victoria, you know them?
1: Yeah, I saw the Better Off Dead a long time ago. Ah. It's one of his John Cusack's early, very goofy teen movies. <laughs>
0: oh, not with Goofy in it. Okay. Kind of too bad, really. I, uh, well, actually, you I wanted, think I would like wanted... to see a movie starring John Cusack and
1: Goofy. <laughs> ah, goofy is such a diva. He'd want top billing yeah, and more that's money. That's
0: true. Um, Victoria Grant was also too good for King Marchand, but I admit I'm curious, Victor Victoria, end quote. Thanks tons, Kelly. Lots of great info.
1: Oh, what do you mean? You think Julie Andrews was too good for James Gart? Oh, yeah, okay, never mind.
0: (laughs) Um... There's a snake in my boot. Uh, Tyler Stewart wants to know about Ferris Bueller and Sloane. Ooh, do they stay together? Well, we'll never know. He yeah. also came back with actually Benjamin Braddock and Elaine Robinson from The Graduate.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, well, well, we know the pitch for that from the player in in uh, The Graduate 2, Mrs. Robinson's Revenge. <laughs> hey, that, there, that, that's movie, we hear that movie being pitched.
0: Well, is that something she does, or is it just a result of her cooking?
1: Probably.
0: Uh, Anyway, that isn't an even better and deeper one. Thanks, Tyler. Dave! Dave. Offered, quote, Brad and Janet came to mind first, but Uh the fun of the Before Sunrise series is we get to see the couple evolve, and a fourth one would be fun as well. So I think the Before Sunrise couple, end quote. I don't know
1: that couple, do you? I've ne- I know who they are. It's, I think, Ethan Hawke and somebody, uh, but I've never seen the movies. Wait,
0: I'm sorry. Somebody wants to see something about Ethan Hawke 30 years I in I could the be wrong.
1: <laughs> I, I may be wrong about who's in it.
0: I find that hard to hard believe. Hard
1: to believe.
0: <laughs> Finally, Vince, who posted on the site, which... As always, gets you quintuple bumpy bucks offered, quote, As Mike mentioned, I have odd movies taste to some, and I always wonder what happens to characters after the main event of the movie is over. Like what happened to Kurt and Bikini Girl after they escaped the killer Go-Go Girls in Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. You know you love that movie, Mike. I I don't actually know (laughs) I love that. Nah, that's what he (laughs) says. These days, we seem to be finding out what happened to couples and characters 20 to 30 years later, all the time as everything is getting rebooted and updated, end quote. Well, he's... Not wrong there. So thank you, Vince, or Snowy, as he's known (laughs) all over Canada. Um, How about you, Max? Who do you you want to see? uh, Who do you want to uh, stick your nose into 30 years down the line?
1: (laughs) Ew. (laughs) Just answer the question. Well, nobody, if you're going to put it that way. (laughs) Well, I still stand by my last week's choice of Boris and Natasha. I want to see what happened with those crazy kids. I'm not sure. The problem is, we keep seeing that every once so often, people do. Oh, you know what? We should do another sequel. Yeah, I kind of like either not knowing or, or seeing the ambiguity. I kind of would like to see Rick and Louie 20 years later after Casablanca. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh interesting. To, I mean, I don't think of them as a couple in that respect, no, but, but they are
1: they, they're partners in a lot of ways. I would like to I mean, if it if it has to be romantic, I'd be re, I would also be curious about Ilsa and Victor. I mean, could I, that last? Um yeah, it's a good question.
0: And I think, you know, one of the reasons I asked this question was to bring up the idea, and a lot of the people who answered sort of did too, which is, honestly, it's usually better not to know. I agree yeah. with you. Um, it's nice to think about it, but to me, the whole point in general of a story is this is the point in these people's lives where they're interesting. After it, it's more, hey, this we, we get on with things or whatever. Unless or, it's a multi-generational story, which is entirely hmm. possible. But
1: or, or to me, it's the idea that I, I like the ambiguity because then you can fill in the story yourself. Right. You can decide where, whether they they're worse.
0: Right. You can write your own slash fiction, like you know Kirk and Spock, <laughs> <laughs> which is the point, right? Because that's yeah, where oh, slash—that's yeah. where slash fiction comes from. For those that who that is don't know. where it
1: comes from. That's where um, the term comes from.
0: I'm gonna go with Kermit and Miss Piggy, just because I think they're exactly uh, the same, and I love the Muppets, and I'd like to see the Muppets done well. <laughs> yeah. Because okay. currently they're
1: not. No, um, they're they're really not. I didn't like the whole. Uh, it wasn't the most recent, it was the second most recent, where they were doing a late-night talk show, and apparently Kermit and Miss Piggy had gotten married and gotten divorced.
0: Yeah. It's fun to talk about, though. Like, I think Sloan and Ferris, no, they're not together. No. I don't think so. No. I, I think, I, I just, honestly, I think Sloan grows up and Ferris doesn't. <laughs> very
1: likely. Very likely.
0: But uh, anyway... I were, like yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say, they're great answers, all. Many thanks. Yes, you really thank do you. make our humble little show that much better. And because you've been so kind, we're going to ask you for even more responses this week. Yeah. We'd like to know, based on a true story, what does that mean when you see it before a movie starts? Do you trust the film more, less, hold the film up to a higher standard, or does it matter at all? Mm-hmm. Do let us know. And if you do, we might be able to send Bumpy to camp. But... For now, yes. Mike's, of course would like to send Bumpy to a, a farm up north.
1: Up north, I'd like to send him the kind of camp you don't come home from. Yeah,
0: yeah, with barbed wire and big. But, ah,
1: <laughs> wow, no, that got no, dark no. fast I don't
0: like that. <laughs> <laughs> You're dark. Wow. Let's get back to talking about good and evil, Cusack style. The show budget. 30 million dollars. Thirty million dollars. Take Max uh, take a guess. Uh
1: forty-five million. Twenty-five. Not, not one exactly of Clint... a big hit.
0: Yeah, not one of Clint's bigger successes. And by the way, a little, little extra trivia because I looked it up just before the show. Clint Eastwood's real name. Yeah. Clinton, <laughs> Clinton East- Eastwood. Ha 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 ha! Clinton Eastwood. Eastwood. Or Eastwood. That's oh, just okay. mis- mispronouncing. Clinton, Clinton Eastwood.
1: Ha ha ha. Man, that was imaginative. I- I'm going to drop the last two letters of my name.
0: Yeah. Yes, Mr. Eastward.
1: <laughs> yes, Mr. Eastwoodington.
0: Yeah. Lady Chablis is not only a Savannah native and performer, she was also in the novel on which this movie is based. Hmm. And I've actually had friends who have seen her down in Savannah and say that she's an absolute
1: riot. It wasn't she... I I thought this was also, she was one of the first, actually, transgender performers to play a transgender character.
0: That may be. Didn't pop up in my trivia, but it's cool to know if it is. She was hilarious. And apparently Eastwood did let her do some ad-libbing, because that was, let's face it, there was no way you weren't going to get some.
1: I I don't think you could stop her, really.
0: And good, because she's funny. Um, other people in the book and movie were based on real folks as well. Joe oh. Odom was indeed an ex-lawyer, but he and Mandy, also a real person, never had a relationship. John yeah. Kelso, based on author John Barrent, and Mandy didn't either. Barrent was gay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mercer House was real and was used for filming. Some of the actual guests for James Williams' parties were invited to be extras and were congratulatory on Spacey's portrayal of Jim, especially his wandering about the place, greeting everyone in turn. And his mustache. And his mustache. I I actually think it looks good. As goofy as it is, I actually think he looks better with it, but
1: that's just I am. It works. It's just the mustache is practically its own character.
0: (laughs) Yeah, among other things. But uh, the judge was no actor. He was the real-life Sonny Seiler, Jim Williams' attorney. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Ugga the dog was also the real-life Ugga, mascot of the University of Georgia. Well, he was the fifth in the line of uh, Uggas.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the Ugas ah, yeah, of so the North. I, didn't he invent the boots? <laughs> I'm sure.
0: Nepotism. Mandy, played by Allison Eastwood, shares more than a last name with director Clint. She is no. his daughter. Huh? Apparently, she still had to try out, though, and audition and all that stuff. Okay. By this time, old Clint was an old hand at directing. This was his 20th film. Good Lord, really? Yep. I was surprised, too. Huh. While based on a true story, a good deal was changed in the writing of the book and film. Jim Williams did indeed kill Billy Hansen, though that wasn't his real name. But he didn't do it at a Christmas party. It was in May. He was also tried for the crime a total of four times. Sentenced Whoa. to life the first two times, he appealed, and the result was a mistrial. The fourth time, also in appeal, acquitted him. Huh. So, wow. Yeah, we're more or less looking at the last version in this film. Okay. There wasn't a huge amount of trivia for this movie, but I do have a bit more about Mr. Cusack, as promised. Unless, Max, do you know any trivia about the movie before I...
1: Uh, yeah, if you notice, I looked and I watched the, uh, the credits for this... It is Mercer House and that it was owned by the famed so- singer-songwriter Johnny Mercer. Right. Every song on the soundtrack, except for one, is a Johnny Mercer song. Yep. It's a brief instrumental piece called Early Autumn, which is by somebody else. I didn't but Otherwise. Look- Everything is Johnny Mercer. A lot of which were written with uh, Mister Hokey Carmichael. Sorry, Hoagie. Hokey Carmichael. <laughs> yeah, he's inventor of sandwich. Iggzy <laughs> <Easy> indeed. <laughs>
0: I, I didn't look to see, but I wonder if uh, Eastwood performed any because he's not only a very accomplished piano player, but he often writes the scores to his own movies. Which I honestly, that's just yeah, not fair.
1: <laughs> I didn't see his name in the uh, in the soundtrack credits, but yeah. it might—it's possible he might have also done it uncredited.
0: Yeah, um, but about John Cusack. John Cusack divorced his parents for his role and? in the film The Sure Thing. He was only 16. They were based in uh, Illinois. He was obviously filming in California. And they couldn't be on set. He couldn't be on set without a parent present. So they got the producer to instead become his legal guardian.
1: I Oh, so it's not like he hated his parents. It was just a career move.
0: Yeah. So, if hey, can you not be my different. parents anymore so I can be in this movie? Okay. Sure, hon. Yeah. Uh, wow, while, right, well, it's a little drastic. It is, but there you go. While he's never been married, he has gone out with some rather high-end names such as Pamela Anderson, Uma Thurman, and Minnie Driver.
1: Wow. According to I the cannot ac- picture him with Pamela Anderson. I, what did they have to talk about?
0: I can think of two things. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That was horrible, but that was probably
0: true, probably factually accurate. (laughs) Uh, According to the actor, though, he starred in nearly 80 films. He thinks only about 10 of them are any good. Which 10? Only John knows for sure. We'll learn more some things. we thing and the (laughs) Vabada. We'll learn some more about him next week. But right now it's plot time. It's 1981 in Savannah, Georgia, and writer John Kelso, played by John Cusack, has been sent down by Town & Country magazine to cover a very swank Christmas party given by socialite Jim Williams, played by Kevin Spacey. Savannah is a quietly wild place, but everyone who's anyone wants to be there and at the event of the year. Things are, of course... Not what they seem. Beneath the genteel exterior, we have a voodoo queen overseeing a good deal from her park bench, a man who could, at any moment, poison the entire water supply, the, and Lady become Ch- the, Joker. <laughs> the Lady Chablis, a transgender woman who is one of the most outgoing performers ever seen in these parts, and Billy Hansen, played by Jew Law, a rough-and-ready gay hustler who just happens to be Jim Williams' live-in handyman and, uh, <coughs> lover. Lava. Ooh, lava. After a particularly loud exchange, shots ring out, and in the ensuing silence, it's Jim Williams who's found holding the gun claiming it was all self-defense. Thing is, it's an election year and the local prosecutor isn't willing to just let rich people lie. John Kelso, deciding there's more than a simple 500-word article in this, decides to stay and make a book, offering Williams and his attorney his services, as long as they don't get in the way of his writing. As Kelso investigates, he finds even more than he bargained for, including what turns out to be the one piece of evidence that can turn the trial around in Jim's favor. But is this the right course of action? Will voodoo magic be the undoing of the trial? Sorry. Will Kelso find love in this gentle, kind Mandy who's had eyes on him since he got to town? Only Clint Eastwood
1: knows for sure. The down. So, Max, as I often yeah. ask,
0: you hadn't seen this, or have you?
1: I had. I saw it many years ago. I had forgotten most of it. It's, you know, it's funny.
0: The film is weird that way. There's, I did not forget Lady Chablis. Did not. Because she's kind of unforgettable. Yeah. Um, and I did not forget Mad Hedy. I'm sorry, Minerva. <laughs>
1: she's yeah, of... I, I begin to wonder if that's where uh, Mr. Gaiman got the idea.
0: Yeah, and there's other things, like, like I think you, we talked about this before the, the show, but both of us forgot that Clint Eastwood directed
1: Yeah, it. <laughs> I don't know if I ever knew, but yeah, I absolutely did not remember that.
0: Yeah. Um, so we were, during the trivia, we were talking about all the different people who are characters, like the fact that the uh, actual lawyer, Sonny, is playing the judge, which is like, oh, okay, crap. One of the other big characters in this, and I think that that was intentional, is Savannah itself.
1: Yeah, it's, um, this is really kind of a love song to Savannah.
0: And it, it upped their tourism a, a huge amount after this oh, film came out, and they they it. did film a lot of it in Savannah, uh, Mercer houses as it was used. They actually just removed the antiques because all their antiques were real. Um, but Kalinias would have met with uh, Jim Williams' sister who owns the house. And he assured her that everything would be cool. They'd take care of everything. And she's like, as long as we can get the antiques and stuff out, it's fine. And all the action scenes have to be shot elsewhere. So the shooting and stuff did not take uh-huh. place there. But um, I, I never would have guessed they were two totally different places because it, it went together very, really well. Yeah. But just the feel of the place. And the thing is, is that it's very, to me, it was very attractive until you started looking a little closer. so we see a lot of people who are taking life a lot more slowly. they're a lot they have much better manners. they're still racist. They're oh, still yeah, they're st-
1: <laughs> it's 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 not- the South. it's got it's that sort of classic it's that weird duality, especially and again, this is the way us northerners tend to look at the South. On the one hand, there's a kind of envy because they do still have that legacy of the aristocracy they considered themselves aristocrats before, you know before the war right. excuse me the war of northern aggression and uh they were very th- the rich people keep in mind the ones we hear about are the rich people right. which were not all of them or even a lot of them right they were the ones with the very old world manners gentility that that still carries on you get a lot of people who who do that whole well i don't know you from a hole in the ground sir but sit and have some sweet tea
0: yeah well, and that's what happens when he, John Kelso first shows up, the person that he's supposed to meet is like, oh, what What can I get you to drink? Not do you want something to drink, but yeah. what can I get you? Knowing that it's December and obviously exceedingly hot down <laughs> in Savannah, I guess. I don't know.
1: Um, well, the first person he meets isn't too, too, too polite to him because the first person he meets is Billy.
0: Well, but the woman on the porch. Yeah, the, the, yeah. I forget if she's the secretary or whatever. Yeah, Billy. Something Billie, like that. Uh, Jude Law, angry teenager. Yeah, boy, he Jude about, Law
1: is unrecognizable <laughs> by vision or by sound. He does yeah. a very good southern accent.
0: And he weighs about 10 pounds. He's, yeah, he's, he
1: looks... The boy needs a
0: sandwich. Yeah. Um, and, he, and just so we can cut off any potential emails, there's the South and there's the South, right? Because it depends yeah. on where you are. So we have friends. There's a couple of our friends who are from North Carolina. And I don't personally find... North Carolina to be very similar to Savannah, Georgia at all, um, and of course we in the North have just as many problems. We just do them in different ways, right? There's not yeah. like there's no prejudice in the North. It's just oh
1: no, we don't have racism anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. We outlawed that. Sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. We we are, hey, we elected a black governor in Massachusetts. That's the end of racism. La <laughs> la la la. I can't hear you.
0: Yeah, but I think that the what the interesting thing about this is. That's kind of the theme of the whole film. And it's expressed in a number of different ways. So we get Savannah, which in the in the beginning, it's like personally seeing manners in people was so refreshing because it yeah. seems like manners in general have just disappeared. And if they're if Savannah is at all still like this and they're able to hold on to manners, being kind to people and just generally at least on the outside. Treating people well, good for them. Civility,
1: yeah. (laughs) Because I sure miss that. Yeah. Um,
0: I'm in the Midwest, and as as nice as people are, manners not a thing. Not really a thing. Of course, that's retail for you. Um, (laughs) Then we get uh, pretty quickly to uh, the problem. Let's let's get this out of the way. We have a couple of problems with this film. One of them is the. I to, he's not the lead, but he's the sort of the second lead character. He's a
1: major character. He's kind of the focal point of the story, and but that's Mr. Spacey that's and his Mr. mustache. Spacey.
0: The thing is, is working with Kevin Spacey, even if he's not the head character. Yeah. And I wrote my note was goddamn Kevin Spacey for turning into a dickweed because yeah. I
1: really liked. Kevin Spacey. He's he's very talented, and he's always good. And as you say, even if he's a minor character, he walks away with the movie. Yeah, he can be in like two scenes, and it's still. Oh yeah, did you see that Kevin Spacey movie?
0: (laughs) It's not as bad as Matthew McConaughey, but it's close. I think Matthew McConaughey still in um, Wolf of Wall Street kills me because he literally waltzes in, pats his chest a few times, waltzes out, and all you can think for the rest of the film is.
1: Right, and he—I think he got a best, best supporting actor nomination for being on screen for five minutes. Yeah, um, and you know, so Kevin
0: Spacey is a problem because it turns out that apparently Kevin Spacey is a horrible human being. Although, yeah. um, and I forgot this too about this film. This film, in a way,
1: is very prescient when it comes yeah, to characters. I, uh, it's very uncomfortable because one of the things they point out is that he's having this relationship with Billy, who is about half his age. Yeah, and he's uh.
0: pre- he's pretending not to be gay or not telling people he's gay. Yeah. Um, and he's obviously, I mean, we don't know what the actual relationship, and I'm using that in the sexual way, is like, but... Um, yeah, it's it seemed kind of shady, and of course, what happens is when everything comes to light. Immediately, Kevin Spacey hasn't killed anyone that I know of. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think he has. But when that comes to light, what happens? Well, Kevin Spacey, or I'm sorry, Jim Williams goes to trial. People who used to know him no longer will talk to him or are about him. Mm-hmm. And what happens is Kevin Spacey comes to trial, and people yeah. won't talk to him. And
1: yeah, yeah, there's some really uncomfortable par- parallels with uh, reality. Yeah. You know, 25 years in the future. Yeah.
0: So if you are somebody who has trouble separating artist from art, which we've talked about many times, especially okay, mm-hmm. see. Um, this is a warning. This may not be a film for you. I personally was like just sort of cringy going, oh yeah, forgot about this. Yikes. It didn't really
1: yeah. affect my
0: viewing of the no, film.
1: No, not too much. But it's except when they keep doing the things with Billy and pointing out the age difference That takes me out of the movie a little bit because I'm going, yee, parallels.
0: Yeah. I mean, quite honestly, Billy's older than a number of the people that have accused Mr. Spacey, especially recently because he's back in the news. Mm Wee,
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. The other, of course, is director uh, Clint Eastwood. His politics, um, they're not my politics, let's put it that way. And some may say that some of the things that he seems to stand for are... Not exactly humanitarian. Yeah, but there's a
1: difference between disagreeing with someone politically and their being a criminal. Yes. You know, Kevin Spacey hurt, we be- allegedly hurt people. Right. Clint Eastwood is... Well, we just don't agree with him.
0: Yeah, not at all. The sad thing, and this is also the same thing with Kevin Spacey, I tend to really like Clint Eastwood as a director. I think he's actually a really good director. he's very
1: good. I mean, Million Dollar Baby was
0: terrific. And I didn't want to like that film. It's like, here's a film about women boxers. Well, there's things that I have absolutely no interest (laughs) in. And that was the one year that I watched all of the nominated films. And I was like, Uh, you know my choice? Million Dollar Baby. Now he's got a chance. Oh, it won. Uh, So... Yeah, Clint Eastwood. Uh, I liked uh, Gran Torino, um, or at least I thought it was good. I don't know if I liked it, but I thought it was a very well-done film. Mm. I really liked, was it Clear and Present Danger? Was that him as the old uh, uh, CIA agent? Or Secret no, Security? I don't think so. No, not Clear and Present Danger. Oh, right? uh, that oh, one. the one? You know what I'm talking about, where he plays the old oh, uh, Secret Service God. agent, which I yes, really liked. going up against Malk- John Malkovich. Yep, and... yep, that was, I, that was really good. So I
1: tend to like, he's sort in of In the like, line of fire. In line of fire. Yeah, that, yeah. I did. I don't know. Did he direct that?
0: Yeah, I think he did. I think okay. that's actually that's the one. a Terrific f- movie. I think that's the first one where I said, "Wait, he did the soundtrack. He's he yeah. can play the he can write music too." Yes, yeah. Son of a Gun fan. can
1: actually play the piano and he plays it well. Yeah. Any but they were, yeah, getting back to this movie. Yeah.
0: Um. So if again, if you have trouble separating yeah. art from artist, that's fine, and I understand yep. that. We understand again. that. Don't watch the film. Um. Spoiler. I think it's worth watching, but we'll get to whether that's a good thing or a bad thing later on, because we like to to keep a surprise. (laughs) 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 Oh, yeah, we're
1: so good at concealing our opinions of the movies until the end.
0: Uh, Since we're talking about uh, actors and stuff, let's go on. uh, So, Alison Eastwood. Yeah. I think she does just fine.
1: She does a decent job. I don't think she's brilliant. No. But she's perfectly, she's as good as anybody else. She holds her own. Yep. With everyone else on screen. There's this, is one,
0: this is one scene in particular I really like. Uh, it's obvious that uh, Mr. Kelso is sniffing around, shall we say. Yeah. And it's also obvious she is at least interested, but she's also
1: She's this, wary.
0: This she's wary, as well as she should be. Because he's only supposed to be in town for two days to write an article, and it's very plain that she's not interested in a one-night stand. And there's this scene where he goes in to buy flowers, ostensibly for flower Lady Yeah. And she works there. And there is this great scene where he's trying to talk about what flowers he should buy for somebody. And it's like a chess game. Yeah. And he's like, she's like, well, there's roses. And he's like, yeah, that's a bit too much. And it's like, well, what about these? Fa-? And finally she says, what is it? It's it's not pansies. What is it? It's, no, it um, I
1: thought it was pansies. No,
0: it wasn't. There's some other oh, flowers. Seems- but she's like, these are nice. They're cute. But you keep them for a week and you throw them away. And she's like, those would be pretty good. But we don't have any of those. Yeah. Which is this great way of saying, yeah, I, I the sex might be nice, but I don't want just sex. So Yeah,
1: I mean, at one point she says, well, how about whatever these are? She says, I don't know, perennials might give the wrong impression. Right. She's like, ah, oh, like you'd be around for a while. I really liked that scene. That was a I, nice
0: touch. It, and she did it very well. And actually, the thing I like about her character is she always, to me, feels in control. Like, the relationship's only going where she wants it to go. John wants other things and she's like no I'm not doing that although she still's the one who shows up she knocks on his door he's like who's that mm-hmm. um, and she's just like you're new in town everybody in town knows everybody and what's going on I just want to see but who you are and what she's up.
1: also the one when they're when they've gone out and she says if you're wondering now is the right <laughs> time for a kiss <laughs>
0: And the best part about that is that it's John Cusack, right? This is his thing. He's the rom-com guy. And he's still John Cusack, but he's actually very toned down for him. He's still confident. He's got that John Cusack confidence. But compared to last week's film...
1: Yeah, he doesn't drop a lot of one-liners. He doesn't talk as fast or as frenetic. And he's not quite the lovable, you know, slightly dorky character that he is in some of the other movies. No. He... He's, he's someone who, as you he say, he's been burned. He's, you know, he was, he's divorced and he's very kind of gun-shy. And as Miss Minerva, who is, I think, my favorite <laughs> character, says, you don't think anybody loves you. Yeah. He's like, well, how, you just, you just met me. He says, yeah, you just th- think nobody loves you, but you're wrong. Yeah. And you get the, and as the movie goes on, you're, I'm going, damn, she's right. He doesn't, he's, she's really nailed him. She's great. Um, she's she, terrific. She's, kind of a, she's a kind of a caricature. Sure. She's just a bit of a stereotype. But she's also so damn likable. Even to the bit she's the first person we see in the movie. My first thought was, oh, feed the squirrels, tuppence a bag. <laughs> <laughs> she yeah. looks like the bird woman. She's in this you know baggy, you know, eclectic clothing, and she's talking to a squirrel named Flavius. Yep. Oh, and and argue, and complaining that he's laughing at her. Yeah. And my first thought is, I want this movie to be about her.
0: She, here's the thing: is I I really liked her. The problem is, is that as you, if you got too close to that character, that'd have to start explaining any things. And I and I just don't want them to explain things about her. I don't yeah. want to know how, yeah. or what is is she magical? Is that is a real there, thing? Yeah. Or does, does she just it, know people that well? My feeling it's probably really the latter, in the in the
1: guise of uh voodoo or whatever. I mean, that was an, also an interesting touch. I never think of, I mean, she s- says, or, no, uh, Williams, Chris, uh, Williams says. Jim. That you, Jim says that uh, Georgia is a big, uh, is voodoo country. Yeah. Like, really? I didn't, I you know, I think of Louisiana as voodoo country, maybe uh, uh, in Tennessee, but I never really think of Georgia as voodoo country, but okay, well, and that this feeds
0: back into the theme of things on the surface are not what they seem to be below. Because you're probably fine if you asked anybody in the street in that town, do you believe in voodoo and magic? And they'd go, and of course not. But if something bad happened, you'd probably see them go into Minerva,
1: right? Or, I mean, they would say, oh, of course I don't. But then you would see them, like, fo- you know, following some superstition, or like right. pouring salt on the ground or, you know, not, not stepping on a particular plant. And Jim... If, he may not believe it, but he clearly respects it. I mean, there's a whole thing, he goes through this whole ritual with her to settle Billy's ghost. Right. Because, you know, to keep to keep the ghost from uh, playing him or yeah. messing with him, in effect. And he ta- he's like, okay, do you have, you know, the virgin water, never touched a pipe? Yep, right here. Here's the dimes. He's, he brings everything she asks. He follows her instructions. He's never snide. He's like... Yeah, I absolutely am going to do whatever you tell me to do.
0: Except one thing.
1: Yeah, he will not, every day, ask for forgiveness for Billy. That's Billy's Mm -hmm. spirit.
0: And the movie never comes out and asks this, but we have to wonder, in the confines of the film, is that why what happens, happens? Yeah. Right? Because... Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, the, and then of course, you know, Kevin Spacey as Jim. Now, interestingly, I re- read a little bit more about this. The author John Berendt, didn't like Kevin Spacey's portrayal. He says, "Look, I had all these conversations on tape that I gave or made available oh. to Kevin Spacey. Why didn't he listen? He seems so like, I like, he's sleepwalking." Or and then he said he started laughing because he realized, "Oh." The recordings that Kevin Spacey listened to of Jim were at one of the trials where Jim was on Valium. So, of course, he oh. sounded like that. <laughs> but I personally liked Jim. Um, yeah. I could totally see... Wh- I said Jim Williams slash Kevin Spacey is so smooth. He is just moving his way like this calm snake through the crowd at his own party. And, of course... Everyone's pretending they don't know he's gay and what's going on because what happens is Jim gives the best parties in town and everybody, yeah, and everybody wants, wants to, be, to go.
1: Yep, and it becomes Everybody who's anybody. And this is a guy who has like friggin' Fabergé eggs on his end tables. Yeah. Like, that is worth more than... That thing on your table is worth more than my house.
0: Yeah. And they never say exactly where Jim got his money. There's not really a sense that any of it was... was Illegal, but oh no! You do- but
1: he earned it. They do yeah. say at least that he says he's nouveau riche. His dad was a barber. His mom was like a secretary. He he earned his own money. He's and he says it like he's expects to be judged for that because of course in old in old money towns like that, yep. there's, they respect old money. They think it's <laughs> better if you inherited it rather than actually you know work for it yourself.
0: Well, he says something I, to the effect of "is it is nouveau riche, but the important part is the riche.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I can't, I'm not just pointing my finger at Savannah. You get that everywhere. Boy, oh, yeah. do we get that in New England.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, the Lodge family. What's the other? Oh, cabots. Yeah. Oh, my the God. The
1: Cabots, yes. Welcome to old Massachusetts, the land of lobster and scrod, where the Lowell's only talk to the Cabots, and the Cabots talk only to God.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, whatever. Um But. You know, he gives this party, that's the reason John Kelso is there. And you get to see the party, and the party is basically rich white people... Not having a good time. I mean, they're oh yes, aha uh, the food, but nobody's really doing anything.
1: Well, until oh, what is her name shows up. The uh
0: oh yeah, the the
1: the, uh, the woman who's the uh, made who is your, that magnificent creature?
0: <laughs> and she is. She's hilarious. She's somebody who married into wealth, and her husband died, and she decided to basically make herself famous about herself. And so she has her house as a museum. I think she used to be a. Uh, a vaudeville performer or something like that? Something, or something like that. They aren't really entirely clear. And she comes, she's waving a gun at some point, which, and at one point, Kelso asks Jim, he's like, uh, is that thing loaded? And he's like, oh yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. She's waving a friggin' Derringer around. And uh, yeah, she's, and she starts screaming, yep. Or, or sort of laughing someday I'm going to shoot a man. I will shoot a man. And I, I always like John Cusack is ducking away for the gun kind of laughing and kind of, is she going to shoot me? Yeah. Well, even
0: uh, Kevin Spacey, Jim Williams, is like, uh-huh, uh huh, because he knows it. And and there's this happens throughout the film where people act certain ways, and it's like this is crazy. And Kelso for the audience is there to go, is that real? And that the, the characters are going, oh yeah, like the guy with the poison and the flies tied to oh, him. Oh, that's
1: that is such an uh, that is such a weird character. It's Luther Driggers. Yeah, is this guy who walks around town. He apparently invented the no-pest strip, but got ripped off by the company, and he walks around with flies on threads tied to his collar. Yeah. So there are always these flies on little leashes around him, and he carries a bottle of poison, which he says someday he will dump into the town water supply. Yeah. And... No, everyone's okay
0: with this. Well, up to the point where at the trial, he's the somehow he becomes the foreman of the, the jury. How and he did goes-
1: anyone <laughs> let him on a jury? I, well, don't I had know. that in my
0: notes, but then they answer the question. They were like, well, if we don't let him in the jury, we're worried he's going to poison everyone in town. So (laughs) let's not be responsible for that, shall we? But he goes to read the verdict, and he's been told not to bring his flies and not to bring the vile poison. And he goes to read the verdict, and the poison falls out onto the floor, and everyone's just, like, looking at it. And the judge tells the bailiff, pick that up. And he hands it to the judge, and he looks at it, and he hands it to the bailiff and says, give it back to him. And it's like, basically, they just deal with it, which is weird. Because, of course, the weird part is... We have Lady Chablis, who has a, uh, lives in town, has a show in town. Everybody knows that Lady Chablis is not what she appears to be. Yeah. And they deal with it. Um, they know that Billy is gay. Um, there's other gay people. So it's like gay stuff is accepted,
1: sort of. As long as it isn't made public. It's, yeah. I mean, this, is all, this has been a phenomenon for, well, let's face it, probably thousands of years. Yeah. It's the open secret. It's the yes, we'll we're fine with you being gay as long as you don't actually say the word or make us actually confront it.
0: Yeah. And interestingly, this there's places in the world where it's even more true today. One of my friends who happens to be Greek, like is from Greece, and he says that if when the idea of like, you know, hey, I'm gay comes up, the answer is why don't you just do what your uncle does, go out into the field, take care of what you need to do, and then come home and get married <laughs> and have kids. So it's like you can be gay, but you yeah. still have to do this thing. And it's yeah, like
1: you can uh, be gay as long as you're not re- you're not gay.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, and and I know there's there's been some things like that in Japan as well. At, at various points, it's yeah. been fashionable, but they still don't really expect it to be real.
1: You can you can behave, get you can act gay, you can probably even have gay uh, relations. But yeah, then you get married and have children, and you know, and you become normal.
0: For God's sakes, don't tell us about it.
1: <laughs> yes, we don't want to hear about it. Yeah, I do like some of the. I, we said like uh, John Cusack doesn't have a lot of the the one liners, No. but he did have a great line I, when he's trying to convince his uh, agent that he wants to stay and uh, and uh, follow the story. They're all heavily armed and drunk. New York is boring. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the first things
0: that happens is he gets invited to this party by this guy, Joe Odom. And talk about somebody who's barely on screen, but you're like, I want to know more about him. Yeah. who is this guy. What does he do for a living? Nobody knows. He used to be a lawyer, but now he seems to just make his living by breaking into people's houses, throwing a party, cleaning up and leaving. (laughs) Because that's all he does in the film. There's even one point where this car that uh, John Kelso has bought has died, and who comes by in a horse-drawn carriage?
1: <laughs> but Joe Odom, and he's like, "Oh, do you need a lift, son?" And it's like, "Huh?" <laughs> Sounds like a dead battery to me. But he or, or like when the police show up when there's been the shooting in uh, Williams in, the, in Jim's house, and there's Odom with a, a, a canape. He's yeah. got a, he's got a damn tray of appetizers. He's wandering around in the crowd with. And you're pretty sure he got the tray
0: from Jim's party. Like he somehow snuck in and got it. Now he's, it's an event. And like the first night, uh, Kelso is there. He gets pulled into this party that Joe's giving a few doors down. That is a house that ostensibly he is house sitting for. And he's taking care of the plants, which are obviously not being taken care of. But when, Kelso's like, yeah, okay, I've met some people, I need to go and sleep. And he he had a drink, and Odom's like, Oh no, no, no. If you leave, you have to leave party early, you have to take a traveler. And so he takes his grip, his drink, and puts it in one of those red in solo, a solo cups cup, yep. And sends him off. And that becomes something that happens throughout the film. People are just drinking on the street all the time. Yep. Now, nobody's rolling drunk and getting into fights, and whether or not that's reflective of the way things really are, I don't know. It's yeah. just that's what you do. <laughs> Um, And this is part of the reason why Savannah looks to be so attractive and such an interesting character. Um, But as I said, there's a lot in this film. The whole story is about how things are not what they seem. Oh, it turns out Jim's actually gay. We don't know that from the beginning. And in fact, there's points, I wanted to ask you, do you think that when they first meet and Jim is calling John Kelso sport, do you think he's hitting on
1: him? I think he just does that to everybody. I just get the feeling he puts that out there. Because he, he guesses
0: to... Kelso's size for a tuxedo. He's like, I do yeah. have an eye for this sort of thing. Hmm? Um, and please pardon my horrible... Because uh, the Savannah accent is not a general Southern accent. It's its own thing. No, it's
1: very specific. And it's very hard to do.
0: Yeah. And as can be told, because I'm not doing it well. Um, but there's a point, too, where it's not even that, that Jim is testing Kelso outwardly. But by showing him his collection, he wants to see... It's like hes he actually turns out he picked John Kelso on purpose. He wanted yeah. him to come down, even though Kelso's never written for town and country. But he starts showing him his stuff, and he wants to see what Kelso either knows about it or his reaction.
1: Yeah, how he reacts, how is he impressed. Does, he, he shows him a painting, and Kelso immediately knows this is an overpainting. Where's your, where's your black light?
0: And that, to me, was a really cool detail, because that's the whole... Film in that one painting is it's a stub stub is a very well-known um landscape painter um i think stubbs also did horses but don't quote me on that and that's the thing is like there is this he can tell looking at it it's like there's a painting under here this is something's been painted over and he's like haven't you ever wondered and jim's response is i actually rather enjoy not knowing and that's another theme of the film and as he said
1: he sums it up at the end he says why sport truth is truth like art is in the eye of the beholder
0: and the people at his parties they know but they'd rather not know about Jim's actual relationships and stuff his mother at one point uh, it's told uh, by Jim or by uh, Kelso to Jim it's like well, you're gonna have to come out like publicly come out that's just gonna have to be part of this this whole um, trial because that you can't get around that and he's like well I can't do that in front of my mother and it's like do you really think she doesn't know? She's never heard it from me. Yeah. So yeah. she too, the truth, she, does, she knows, but she doesn't, she doesn't want to know. She,
1: yep. She, yeah, exactly. She doesn't want it confirmed.
0: So there's a lot of layers in this film, little details that keep supporting that idea, which I actually found really interesting and very deftly wielded. Um, If you will. On the other hand, we get to things like the uh, the black cotillion, which was a (laughs) really interesting thing.
1: It's a fascinating sequence. Yeah, it's uh, I forget the name of it It was like a bunch of Greek letters. Alpha
0: Phi Cotillion, something like that. And the whole idea is it is a, a what they used to call a coming out, not in that sense, sort of thing where.
1: Only the, for black people. Only for black because people. Because God um, med- knows they can't do it with the white ladies. Because
0: <laughs> there's a white lady card game thing, yeah, too. The, with, the
1: married ladies card club.
0: Yeah, and John Kelsey's is not really invited, if you know what I mean. Um, but they go to this cotillion, and... Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Lady <laughs> the, Chablis, who is begging the whole, she wants to go. Oh, uh, take, take me, John, take me, take it's me, take so me cute The way she's uh, harassing uh, the, we'll,
0: him. I want to get back to her, but the oh, cotillion. Yeah. Uh, the one thing, the guy that they're sitting with, his name is Phil. Phil is hot. I'm just saying, but okay. they're, they're all the young men are dressed up in full tuxedos. They're wearing yep. white gloves. The women wearing gloves, and they're in their, you know those. Um, coming out so, dresses. I, yes, word the, for the
1: virginal presentation, because that was what it was. Like, we're marching out the girls of marriageable age so they may be purchased, or uh, may, uh, the arrangements may be made with their fathers.
0: Or it's just, hey, we have society too. Why can't we have this? The answer is, you can, and you look just as silly as white people doing it. Especially... And the string quartet decides to play La Bamba.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was kind of painful. But
0: the dancing is hilarious because Oof. it's a bunch of. I hate to say it, put it this way, but it's a bun- They're all doing white people
1: dancing. <laughs> yeah, they're they're dancing exactly like tight, ty- like extremely tight ass white people.
0: And the sad thing is, you can tell that all of them—they're all kids. They're all high school kids or early yeah. college kids. They all really just want to break out and start really dancing. But it's like this is what society wants. Their yep. society wants them to look good and be proper and upstanding. But, and
1: but and then like a whirlwind. <laughs> Lady Chablis shows up. Everyone is in, you know, it's a black and white ball. They're all in, you know, black tie, white jackets, white. And she is in this il- vivid electric blue fabulous dress. Dazzled. Bedazzled, <laughs> bedazzled sequin, and it's friggin' gorgeous. Yeah. And she just, you know, there's no room for her. She friggin' makes room. Yeah. And she doesn't say she's there with Kelso. She no. says she's with her. There with her cousin, yeah where she picks a name off the program. Yeah. Then she just drags the young man from the table off to dance with her, and he's like, "I don't know what's happening, but I kind of like it." Who, Phil? Yeah,
0: yeah. Phil's, Phil's interested. Into it.
1: Phil can't figure it out. And to be fair, yeah. the la-
0: <laughs> I want to say that if you, if you, uh, as a director. Clint Eastwood wields Lady Chablis exceedingly well because she's could so have taken over this movie she is such an interesting person she is so funny um they actually do show one of her performances the only thing I have to say is they'd never make it clear how Kelso finds out about her she just starts like literally it's like oh I'll start looking into this for you and the next scene he's going to her house and it's like huh but she apparently used to live with somebody that had a relationship with With, Billy. uh, Yeah. And Billy dealt with drugs, and sometimes they held his stash. Every scene the Lady Chablis DeVoe is in is hilarious. She's wonderful, but she's never that frantic kind of Robin Williams, I'm taking over. She's not a
1: clown, is the thing. And that is, again, I have to give Eastwood credit for that scene because it could have been such... So over the top and so painful, but the thing is, the way—yes, she, she's dancing like she wants to dance. You know, oh she's, sh- she's shaking that booty. She's and she's really good. Yep. And at first, no one knows what to make of it, and the kids and the parents are starting to get like, "Hey, this is—I <laughs> kind of like this." Oh, and the, so this is what
0: fun is. Oh, and
1: especially the men and the women are all kind of glaring at their husbands because they're like. Yeah, and Phil is
0: getting into it. Boy, is Phil in Phil for a surprise! Serious.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Phil is probably going to be in for a surprise. But all of them are like, "Yeah, oh my gosh, that's right! You can have fun at a dance. I forgot." Yeah, and it, it's it's amazing to watch, and it, because again, it could so easily have been awful. Yeah. and it isn't
0: no and Kelso basically at this point he realizes she, she's kind of making fun of everybody and he's like I can't do this I was invited here yeah. they know that I know you so I he, he makes her leave and has yeah. to basically you know promise her this that and the other thing but she's also just like I don't have to listen to anybody I don't have to listen to you I'm not going to do what you're telling me to do and he's like look if we do this can we do this okay fine I'll go um, but she's great. And apparently in person... I don't know if she still performs or not. But um, appara- No, she's
1: she she's gone. She died a few years ago.
0: Oh, that's too bad. Because she is a hoot. And friends of mine saw her when they went down there and said she was uh, just as much a hoot in real life. Um, I want to go back to... If we can cycle back to Jim. Sure. So we're watching this film. I don't know if, if you had forgotten the ending or not when you were watching I this. I had. I couldn't remember. Do we... John Kelso does, but do we as an audience ever really trust Jim? No. No, no not at all. I'm wondering I don't think if we're so. supposed
1: to. I don't think we are. His whole, he's so fixated on a, some appearances, yeah. and he's, he says truth is in the eye of the beholder. It's what he yeah. wants it to be. And unfortunately, because of who he is, because of his sexuality, he has learned to lie about who he is all the time. To a degree. Which is what Savannah's
0: doing all the time, too.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Everything is different under the surface, under the layer of paint. Something else is going on. Right. So it's hard to really trust anyone in this movie.
0: Yeah. And Kelso is sort of. It's funny, he's supposed to be from New York, but his. The blinders go right over his eyes. He is swept Mm. up in the moment, in the people, in the place, which I get. If I had been in his position, I'd have been like, I feel like I'm being romanced by an entire town, and I yeah. think I kind of like it.
1: And he's, But, of course, he's seeing the high end. I mean, it's all the rich people and right. all the fancy and the fine places. It's, he's not hanging out with people like Billy.
0: Right. And the one connection he has with quote-unquote poor people is Billy, and it doesn't go well. Because mm. um, Billy is just like, I am, I am kept I am allowed to be in this house. I don't own any of this stuff. And he
1: resents it. You and can he tell he's just this big ball of rage.
0: Well, I'm going to gonna get to that to the end. I do have, uh, when we get to the court scenes, this happens a lot. We have courtroom scenes in films. For the brevity of the film, we don't wait an actual period of time that would have occurred between when he was yeah. arrested and when he was put,
1: when he brought in trial. They do uh, say they're going to fast track the trial, but that means like, you know, a month.
0: Well, or yeah. In it, this it,
1: case, it's too, it's like five minutes.
0: Yeah. Um, do you have any experiences actually in court? I do.
1: Yeah, a couple of times I've been. Uh, I've done jury duty, that kind of stuff.
0: Oh boy, is it never like it is in the movies? It's never, never as interesting
1: or as entertaining. It we never so get boring. anyone like Lady Shabli testifying. <laughs> Come no. on! I'd volunteer every week for jury duty if I thought we'd get Lady Chablis every time. Hey,
0: it's cheaper than going to the theater and just as fun. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I have been called for jury duty more than anybody I know. I've been called in states that I didn't even live in anymore. Uh, <laughs> they apparently wanted me so much. The last time I was called, I wished I had got it. It was in a federal grand jury, and it looked to be oh. really interesting. Yeah, that but one those could
1: last for months.
0: No, no, they said about a year and a half.
1: Okay.
0: It was one day a month. Big deal. <laughs> I'd have gone. It sounded interesting. I wanted to yeah. go. In fact, I even said, when they, they have you stand up and say who you are and what you do, I said, hey, I don't work Thursdays, which was the day, uh-huh. so I could I could do this. And there were there were lawyers who came up to me afterwards and was like, yeah, we we tried to get you in there, but the judge just wanted to pick the first people, and I was way at the back. But I'd been a witness. I got called as a witness twice, um, once I actually had to... Uh, Testify, and I had to rephrase the question. The lawyer who called me into court because his questions oh, didn't dear. make sense, <laughs> and it's just
1: boring. Yeah, no, but, but that's true of every courtroom movie. It's always more dramatic and more interesting, and takes way less time. Yeah, that is true. By the way, did you? I recognized Mr. Tucker, the man who's sort of uh, who knew the Billy's friend, who is in who's t- testifying that Billy was gay.
0: Yes, and he too, oh, that was so heartbreaking because it finally, yeah. basically he's asking, it's like, oh, did, did you ever have a relationship with Billy? And it's like, well, a couple of times, but I got out of it.
1: Or it's like, he's like, I'm not a fairy, I got over it. Yeah, I got out
0: of it. But I, I got his, out of it. Out he's of it, like, yeah.
1: yes, He. how long ago? About three weeks. Yeah. Like, oh, okay.
0: This guy you is poor in
1: bastard. a life of hurt. Anyway, yeah, was he? That's Michael Rosenbaum, who is probably best known for playing Lex Luthor on the show Smallville. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> There's you a range. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I guess uh, I'm pretty much through my notes. So there is a one or two things I want to ask during the uh, wrap-up, but how about you? Uh,
1: there, again, just think about Lady Chablis and the uh, some of the lines... John wants to get into the morgue to check something about the evidence. They want a (laughs) distraction. And his line is Who do we know that can cause a commotion? It's like, oh, <laughs> come on. And the next, literally the next second, yep. it's like, oh, oh, he, my water broke, my water <laughs> broke. <laughs> he's carrying <laughs> her in, and she is just like confusing the hell out of the hospital staff. and The doctor's like, does it hurt here? No, lower, lower. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, right there. Uh, you found it. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
1: It, I said, it's like, hey, what are you doing here? Oh, I came in with my mother, and he's <laughs> playing <at> her. <laughs> and nobody questions him. Uh, No, and and I do really like again Miss Minerva when she just has some. She's clearly this the only one who genuinely knows what's going on in this in the world from her rather peculiar position. I still like you know you're looking for answers. There ain't no answers. Yeah, and at the end I just think it's so sweet. She says, "You know, I love you, and I'm not alone."
0: Yeah, she reminds me. There's a description I've watched a lot of. Miss Marple uh, TV shows. I like Miss Marple. I don't know why. And there's one point where they describe how Miss Marple is able to do what she does. And she said, they say that she looks at the world through the prism of the village in which she lives. In other words, mm. the example of every type of person that she could meet in the world exists in her village, and by looking at them and, and really scrutinizing them, she understands people in general. And to hmm. me, that's what Minerva's doing. But mm. Minerva just understands people better than just about anybody. And that's, it's not really, you know, I don't think that even we're supposed to think there's real voodoo magic. Um although they do kind of imply it at the end.
1: <clears throat> There's yeah, yeah, But it's yeah, just, th- she we just, gonna talk about the end, of those last what, couple two well, scenes? Uh,
0: let's wrap up and we'll talk about the end. Okay. Because that's one of my questions is gonna be in there. But Okay. The Roundup. Some acts. Yeah. You had didn't remember this film you saw it nope, a long time did not. ago.
1: I did not did not remember a thing about it. Um, I just knew Kevin was in it and I knew John was in it.
0: And did that make it easier to watch because you didn't know what was happening. Yeah,
1: there. kind of. So, well, what did you think? I think it's really well made, and uh, considering it's two and a half hours long, it doesn't really feel like two and a half hours. Again, I got to give props to Clint Eastwood. The pacing and the direction is really good.
0: Well, the pacing feels very southern, doesn't it? It's
1: fe- but it, yes, but it's not. It's relaxed, but not slow. Yeah, and uh, the characters are all interesting. I think the performances are interesting. It paints a really interesting picture of Savannah. It does kind of make you want to go there. Yeah. But uh, just, I, I think it's really well done. Again, there's the discomfort about Kevin Spacey.
0: And uh, how, how this film kind of predicts his life of
1: some of it. <laughs> 20 years I longer. like the music. Uh, I, I also like at the end. I'm going, What is that that singer? They're singing another Johnny Mercer song over the credits. It's Skylark. Well, why is that voice familiar? I looked it up. That was Katie Lang. Oh. Yeah.
0: Huh. So the question I wanted to bring up is, yeah, we'll get to, uh, well, I like this movie a lot. I've seen it a number of times. Um, I like Savannah. I like the portrayals. Yes. Kevin Spacey is, is a problem. Uh, Clint Eastwood's politics for me are a problem, and I forgot again. He there's no credit to the opening of the film; it just starts, which is great. And I forgot, and that Clint Eastwood does this occasionally in his films is like you don't. It's like, oh, Clint Eastwood, what is what is he doing here? Doesn't yeah. he do those spaghetti westerns? What the hell? Um, I think it's very well directed. Again, like Max said, I think the pacing is very southern. We're not doing anything in a hurry, but it's interesting. Um, you find all these cool people, these cool places, these. Mm, traditions that maybe we don't agree with but you realize that the people doing them don't necessarily agree with them either but they don't know how to not do them because then they wouldn't look good to other people and the whole idea of layers is just all over and over in this film and it's it's deftly sprinkled like little breadcrumbs and it's never hit, hit over the head but there's every that whole the appearance doesn't equal what's below is just shown in so many different ways and I, I, I really like this film here's the thing so this is going to be a spoiler big spoiler if you want to yeah. see the film and you haven't seen it we are going to talk about the actual ending of the film yeah so we find out or we pretty much guessed that jim williams killed billy and we guess that it wasn't exactly self defense and it, it was out. yeah
1: it's a little murky basically billy did not actually fire a gun at him but only because the safety was on he pulled the trigger and then while he's fumbling the safety off, because not everyone knows where the safety is on a 1942 German luger yep. good heavens, uh,
0: it's on the barrel.
1: <laughs> Jim pulls grabs his own luger I don't know what what's with all the lugers, and shoots him three times. which, which shoots him, that's the pro- that becomes a little problematic, although again. That has often been ruled in self-defense because it's you get what's called blood simple. You go a little nuts. You start you shoot someone. You're still scared. Your adrenaline's up. You, it's hard to stop shooting.
0: Well, but only, he
1: shoots him when he's down.
0: Right. Well, this is this is the only issue I have with Kevin Spacey's performance. The first shot looks like fear. The second and the third don't look exactly look like fear.
1: Yeah. Okay. Then you just think he's being. He really wants him dead.
0: Well and here's my question so technically in if we exclude he basically gets off on a technicality yeah. so they're talking about how the fact that there's no evidence that Billy shot. And the there was no gunpowder
1: resident resin on his hands, but it turns out his hands, it doesn't matter.
0: Right. Really. Do you think because of what we see, this is, the, this is the one part where Jim kind of gets delusional. He's like, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to come out and tell him that I'm not guilty by way of having committed the crime. And it's like, you're going to do what? No. Yeah. We, and this is in and, and Kelso literally has just handed to him the piece, or he's actually handed it to the, uh, the lawyer and Jim doesn't know yet, but he's handed the piece of evidence to the lawyer that says, that you can't be tried because they screwed up the evidence. And Jim says, hey, this is what we're going to do. Instead of whatever you're, you're bringing to tell me, I'm going to tell them what ha- really happened. And that way they'll let me off. Don't you think? And Kelso's like,
1: what? no. Are you what? stupid?
0: <laughs> well, also, you can tell Kelso realizes that he's been falling for Jim. Yeah. Not romantically, but he's believed the story, too. Yeah.
1: He's bought into the whole narrative.
0: And he's like, oh, crap. What have I done? Here's the thing.
1: Is Jim guilty? Well, it depends what you mean. He absolutely killed Billy. He never denied that. But if... yeah,
0: Well, as you pointed out, Billy pulls the trigger. Billy is trying to shoot Jim. Yeah. But even if he hadn't been successful here, doesn't it sort of suggest that Billy was at some point going to try again?
1: Probably. I mean, he was, if not trying to shoot him, I get the, you get the feeling that was, Billy does not strike me as a planner. No. (laughs) So, but... Considering the guy keeps, you know, daggers and guns in his house, yeah, uh, the, the, I'm sure he would have had the opportunity. He might have done it again, or he might have just tried to go at him with a broken bottle or some such. So Which maybe he, he, was def- he was, in effect, protecting himself in the long run. Unfortunately, yeah. that's actually first-degree murder. But right. I, I think the first shot, I think, was self-defense. After that? After that, it becomes kind of murky. But again... From a legal point of view, he, what is it, he believed himself, with that first shot, he believed there was a genuine, clear, and present threat to his life. He legally had the right to defend himself. Right. It's the second two shots you have to wonder about.
0: And would the first shot have killed? We don't know. Yeah. There's no way to tell, and of course, the movie doesn't offer that up. So, in a way, the verdict is more interesting than it seems, because it's presented as he gets off... When he shouldn't have. And it's like, well, maybe he should have because it didn't look like Billy wasn't trying to kill him. It certainly did. It's hard to
1: tell. And uh, then there's what happens to him. Yep. Jim. <laughs> yeah. Well, something. Jim suddenly, the room starts, he's alone. John's left. The room starts spinning. He keels over. We hear a heartbeat slow down and he sees a vision of Billy lying on the carpet where he died, looks up at it, who lifts his head and smiles at him. Yeah. in that creepy Jude Law kind of smile and he dies Jim dies yeah and the, the sort of the implication if you want to buy that is Billy dragged him off with him.
0: Well, he never asked Billy for forgiveness, right? So yeah. that's what never yeah. ever told him to do. The thing that I loved about Jude Law is when he we first see the vision, he looks dead, and then yeah. like life comes back to his face, and he lifts his head and changes yeah. his expression. When he puts his head back down, and maybe they reversed the film, I don't know. But when he puts his head back down, the life drains out of his face again. It's a very yeah. subtle but very cruel it's remarkable.
1: Thing. He does. It's if it if it was done just by him, it's remarkable facial muscle control. But yeah, we, we don't know. He does. yeah. Jim ends up dead. But um John gets a kinda of happy ending. Well <laughs> that's I think it's one a, way I, of putting it. I think it's a, lo- a nice ending. He decides he's gonna stay down in Savannah for at least six months. Yep, right the most Man- uh, Mandy's staying with him, they're yep. together, and they're they're gonna go out and get something to eat, and they come out and Lady Chablis is waiting for them with a dog and a picnic.
0: Yep. She is actually walking Ugga for reasons. Yep, she's and, you know, whatever. Walking
1: the walking the Georgia Bulldog and they just head off to the park. Oh, yeah, and they run into one of the other odd characters you didn't mention, the guy with the invisible dog.
0: Yeah, who's, yeah, he gets paid for walking 15, uh, he's Patrick.
1: He's paid $15 for, the dog, for walking the dog Patrick, who died many years ago, yeah. but still, either he wants the $15 or, as Jim says, when John asks, well, why does he do it? He says, why does he just stop? He goes, well, who would walk Patrick?
0: <laughs> yeah lovable georgia but uh savannah uh yeah but uh for cusack definitely a different role than say anything showing a yeah. little bit of range here uh, but before we find out what we're going to watch next week we have to talk yeah. about that poll question which we'd we would like do. you to answer we would like you to know we would like you to know we would like to we'd know, we'd know from you like a trip to europe <laughs> oh, who wouldn't Based on a true story, what does that mean to you when you see it before a movie starts? Do you trust the film more or less? Do you hold that film up to a higher standard or doesn't matter at all. Please let us know. And you can do that through email. You know that thing? It's uh, Mm -hmm. a telegraph. I don't know. Anyway, us at MaxMikeMovies.com, which suggests that we have a website, which we do, which is MaxMikeMovies.com. You can find all our episodes there, leave comments about that particular episode, an earlier episode, give us suggestions for future shows. Um, Whatever you'd like to give us, uh, we will print it out and make bumpy bucks out of it and... I'll I'll offer poem.
1: up prayers to Damballa or Baron <laughs> Samdi or one of the other voodoo, voodoo Loa. I don't think we're going to do that. Uh, oh, come on. It but you can hurt. always
0: do that on social media, such as hmm. Facebook and Twitter, because it's still safe from Elon uh, <laughs> for the time being. And wherever you listen to podcasts, we're probably there, be it the Apple, Google, or podcast apps or iHeartRadio or Amazon or Or Spotify. My favorite,
1: Fred's Podcasts.
0: There is no such thing.
1: (laughs) There is now.
0: (sighs) Well, oh, oh, Max, you're you're breaking up. We have to to fix something here. Hang
1: on, something's wrong with my fidelity, I think.
0: Yes, we need a higher fidelity, a Ah. high fidelity. In fact, we need Ah, a high fidelity
1: so much. I see what you did there. Not a segue. Yes.
0: We're uh, moving ahead and chronologically with Mr. Cusack uh, just a few years. Actually, I think it may be one. Um, We are going to uh, High Fidelity, a uh, sort of move back to the John Cusack as rom-com Casanova kind of thing. Kind of. This is a film that, uh, quite honestly, I have special feelings for because although it's a record store he owns, it feels a lot like the comic (laughs) store he used to work in. Um, Yes, he plays Rob, the owner of a comic store, or a record store. And hey, even though this film was 20 years ago, vinyl's a thing, and the hipsters are even worse now than they were. (laughs) And so do join us next week for some high fidelity.